James, James, I'm so excited. I have this project I've been working on passionately. I've been devoting all my energy to it. Well, a lot of my energy to it. I'm so excited to talk about it. And I pitched it to you. And you said, uh, uh, um, okay. So uh, are, are you excited, James? Are you as excited as I am? I'm excited. Well, you know, you said some magical words like ML or AI, and then you said a bunch of other words. And then what happened is my brain got really confused and hurt. And honestly, <laughs> there's so many things in this world that are always just mesmerizing. Just literally before the podcast, I was sending you in a whole GitHub about the Synapse ML for .NET. And I was like, does it have something to do with this? Because it's like new and there's a thing. And you're like, I don't even know what the heck this is. And then it's like built on like 25 different pieces of technologies. You can integrate with that thing and then that other thing. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. So I'm pretty sure that whenever you or anybody in this world starts to talk to me about machine learning or ML and AI, ML and AI, I just get a little puzzled. Unless, Frank, unless you speak to me in a scenario-based situation. Mm -hmm. And here, Frank, maybe you can prompt the scenario before you go into the core technology because the thing I liked about, if you remember, cognitive services uh, from Microsoft, and I'm sure there's a bunch of uh, AWS ones and Googly ones, was basically like, hey, do you need to scan a photo and read the text from it? <laughs> do you need to take an audio file and transcribe it? Do you need to take a photo and find other adjacent hot dog photos next to it. I'm like, oh, those are things that I may need in my application. And I didn't have to write any code. I just like hit an API and machine learning happened to me. Is that what we're going to talk? We're going to talk about API driven magical goodness or no? <laughs> no, no, oh. we're, we're going to get down and dirty. We're going to talk about actually just running some networks to accomplish some things. That's why I appreciate what you just said. You're like, just give me the problem first. You know, I, I jumped to I'm using ML as the solution, but probably should state the problem first. But what way, way to give it away there? Um, I, and no, I'm, I'm more of an engineer, you know, I want to solve a specific problem. You sent me that article about some cool new Microsoft technology that I only understood about 10% of the buzzwords also. So don't feel bad. Like, okay, good. You, you don't need the buzzwords to do the ML stuff. You can just learn the basics. Anyway, the problem ready for the problem. Yes, I am ready. I'm sitting down <laughs> 5,000 years ago in ancient Iraq. Uh, somewhere near like Kuwaitish area, was an old civilization called the Sumerian Civilization. Have you ever heard of them? Yes. Yes? Hmm? Cool. Do you know what they're famous for? Not off the top of my head. First written language. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yes. You can go back and forth with Egypt, but let's just go with one of the earliest, you know, one of the two earliest written languages. So it's it's pretty important because it's kind of where history starts for us, because if you say history is what we've written down, uh, not including archaeology, obviously, you can go back and dig. Um, but we actually have a lot of these old uh, clay tablets written in a script, not the language. The script is called cuneiform. And it's just this neat little trick where you, you they're all living on like a river deltas and all that at the time, river banks and all that. And you could just dig down with your hands, grab a clump of clay. I was going to say mud, but clay. Pat it down a little bit and then start just kind of, you know, poking little, little symbols into it. And that's cuneiform. And we actually have a ton of it because it turns out 
clay just gets harder and stronger over time. It -hmm. doesn't really decay. It's not like paper. And so we have a ton of these things in shards. Fun story. Gotcha. Okay. I I got you. Yes. Yep. So um, people knew that language up to maybe um, two or three thousand years ago. And then the language is just kind of stop being used in preference for more modern languages or at least whatever you want to call modern 2000 years ago got it yeah but uh we have deciphered the language redeciphered the language um in this cuneiform script so like we use latin script to write english in cuneiform script uh there are two big languages sumerian the first one i mentioned and akkadian which is just this large vast empire that took over for a very long time a million years ago uh, okay, so the problem. Ready? That was all. <laughs> I hope you're all still with me for that little history re- lesson. Here's the problem. Uh, A, this language is hard to decipher because it's all just kind of like indentations in clay. And B, uh, I, 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 I want to read these things, but James, I tried to learn the language and it turns out I'm old and my brain refuses to learn new languages. No, it's, no. It's my fault. <laughs> I mean, people do this, like people still sign up for classes to go learn ancient Sumerian, the language and how to write it in cuneiform. If you want to be a old fashioned Assyriologist, um, that, that's what you do. So what's neat, though, is there are online these scans of a lot of these clay tablets and transcribed out a lot of the symbols, uh, kind of like written out in you know english letters and all that it's not english obviously but written out and there are those very it's it's a big library let's say uh and the library i'm talking about right now is called cdli cuneiform digital library something and they have something like thirty thousand tablets Mm. and each tablet contains you know it's like a like an email a lot of them are receipts it turns out so it's like <laughs> transaction based, you know, people are people for the history of history have been trading and buying things pretty much forever. I mean, it's basically why we started writing. It was all just like I lent James $10,000 and I want mm-hmm. that money back. And here's the interest rate. And here's what's going to happen if you don't pay me back. Uh, so out of those, like I'm, I'm using rough numbers here, everyone, but let's say 30,000, like 10,000 of them are just those kinds of receipts. A little boring. But, Got it. Okay. Uh, a lot of them are actually like literature or laws or math or a lot of prayers, a lot of prayers, a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, and I want to read these things, but only 5,000 out of the 30,000 are translated. So what does Frank do in this scenario? Uh, Frank probably writes a machine learning model to to do something basically to 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 transcribe all the other ones in real time. And, and I think this is the Cuneiform Digital Library Initiative, CDLI. Is that what you're talking about? Is that correct? Did I say, say it correct? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So that's a big online website where you can go see these things. Yeah, they said that they are is an international digital project aimed at putting text and images to, of an estimated roughly 500,000 recover tablets and these things are really cool by the way they almost the one at least in the wikipedia article it it looks like a i would say a three by five postcard and there are little squares cut out (laughs) of it and then those indentations 
it it almost uh, looks like a you know those slider puzzles that you would slide pieces <laughs> around. At least in this image that I'm looking at, this is really cool. For some reason, you know, I'm not a big history buff per se. However, that being said, it looks like they're in all sorts of museums all over the world, right? Because this is probably, like you said, a very actual, very in piece, important, rich historical you know, tradition that was out there from the ancient Middle East. So it's very, very fascinating. This is really cool. I'm, I'm learning a lot, Frank Krueger. Yeah, so let's do the numbers real quick since we're nerds. Um, so let's estimate that there's 500,000 of these things that have been found. Uh, roughly 300,000 of them have been transcribed, as in someone made a copy of it or, you know, photographed it and then wrote down what's actually on it. Hmm. Um, maybe out of those, a hundred and fifty thousand have been, um, 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 um uh, what do you want to say? Publicly given out on like a library like CDLI, and then out of those, <laughs> um, roughly five to twenty thousand to thirty thousand, depending. There are other libraries out there. There's ORAC. There's uh, other Sumerian language ones. Uh, but out of that 100,000 that are online, roughly 20,000 of them have been translated. So the translations, 20,000, compared to what actually exists, known to exist 300,000, known to be found 500,000. Mm. It's a big, it's disparaging, you know? Um, it's, it's, they still need people to, out of the ones that haven't been transcribed, they still need to be transcribed and they need to be translated and they need to be published. You know, it's mm. just a lot of work, kind of ideal for a machine. <laughs> and, and in these, you know, drawings on these things, is all of the syntax uh, consistent throughout the year? So, for example, I say that as a a or a you know person or a dog or whatever the the picture is or the, the 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 thing is referring to is that the same throughout the years or did that change based on context and region and other areas i don't know if you know this now I'm, i don't know if you're a his, historian but i'm asking I'm because well. i'm assuming that we're looking into frank wants to build something and now let's talk about all the potential problems if he tries to go build something <laughs> to solve this problem yeah you you actually found one of the, the hardest bits of it uh, so this, these languages, I'm, I'm talking about two languages, Sumerian and Akkadian. They're the two mm -hmm. big ones. Uh, they were used for roughly, well, it depends on when you started writing them, but let's say 3,000 years. Uh, do you, can you comprehend English written 500 years ago? Uh, no. No. Language changes a lot. Um, so yeah, the languages definitely change. So you kind of have to date them to get a feel for it. Worse than that, like the Akkadian ones mix in Sumerian because, you know, they're just keeping it real. So uh, no, another funny thing is Akkadian is from a whole different language family than Sumerian. Akkadian is actually very similar to modern day Arabic and Hebrew. Uh, mm. It's a Semitic language. So it's a proper good Middle East language, you know, a nice Semitic language there. Uh, whereas Sumerian is actually its own its own language, baby. <laughs> they did things their own way. They invented writing. They had their own language. So it's funny. Um, the grammar changes. The vocabulary changes. Mm. The symbols they use to represent things change. The names of gods change. Dialects change. <laughs> Vowels change. Everything changes. So it's a really hard task. Uh, I ignored all that because you know what? 
that that's just way too much to think about. <laughs> well, the nice thing in this case, like you were talking about when you're talking about the numbers, that there is a lot of data and a lot of things that has already been done manually uh, for you, right? Because I think when, you know, whenever you look at what do data scientists do, they, you know, what? 50%, 60%, 80% of the time are just scrubbing data, organizing data, <laughs> you know, categorizing data. In this case, someone has done that for you already, and that data exists. And we're going to assume that all of those transi- transcriptions uh, are accurate, which means if those things are available, which they are, then you would have a huge, huge, huge data pool to pull from. Correct? No? Am I wrong? You're such a program manager. You identified problem number two. You're so good at this. Uh, <laughs> hey, so languages change over time. You know what else changes over time? The way people transcribe languages. <laughs> Ooh, yes, very true. Yeah, because there are, <laughs> yes, and people could transcribe wrong, and that could help. Them. And then other people could transcribe something wrong, but then these people could transcribe it differently because things have changed. And then how and where they're coming from, there might be something different, some syntax, and then they might use a different word instead of some other word. Yes, errors and okay. people and things, because guess what? Those people that wrote those things are no longer here to tell us what they meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a, a lot of this, uh, the big translation efforts started in like the 1850s. And so a lot of it was just published in books, you know, printed. It wasn't like typed into a database or anything. Thankfully, those have been transcribed, but there are transcription errors there. <laughs> so you, you have all these issues. Uh, my, my favorite one is the big Unicode versus ASCII problem. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I know. This is great. So when they first started typing these things in, there's something like... I'm, all these numbers are wrong, everyone. I'm just trying to give you ballparks here. Let's go with like 15,000 different symbols. And you can't really, it, it's too, there's, there, there's too many. You know, it's 3,000 years of history that they change over time. So it's hard to represent them. So people came up with their best code they could. And when it came time to type them into computers, they realized, uh-oh, we've been using all these fancy squiggly marks on all these letters. Sorry, sorry everyone that uses squiggly marks on your letters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been using all these, but stupid computers written by those stupid Americans don't understand squiggly marks. <laughs> <laughs> and so they uh, transcribed it into a very inconsistent version of ASCII. You know, um, there's the sh sound, which is an S with a with a little V on top of it, sh. And it comes up a lot. Uh, it, it was used a lot in those languages. And it can be transcribed as sh or sz, or worse than that, uh, an S with a, uh, a little V after it, which is, just makes absolutely no sense, but people do it. So that happened for... That database I'm talking about, CDLI, that was built in that style of um, we don't have all the right characters, so we're just going to do our best. A little frustrating thing, I, I didn't, that wasn't a problem for me, so I trained the neural network, excuse me, on the ASCII text. What actually, came, the problem that came up was I found a second database, this database called ORAC, O-R-A-C-C, I have no idea what it stands for something cuneiform. Uh, They wrote everything in gorgeous Unicode because Unicode has all the squiggly marks and they have like um, 
uh, <laughs> uh, sub and super positioning of all the text. They have weird brackets. They have all this fancy stuff. So I am running into this problem. I actually ended up writing a little script that translates from the gorgeous Unicode version into a gross, disgusting, inconsistent ASCII version just to help out my neural network because the neural network, you, you don't want to give it too many different things to learn at once. Okay. I, I see where oh. you're coming from here. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me actually explain what I wanted to do. Uh, so I saw this database online. I saw that only a fraction of the ones that were transcribed were actually translated into English. And I was getting pretty comfortable with neural networks that could do language stuff. So on my Twitch podcast, I've been trying to train a new neural network to do things like Copilot, where you're typing in code and it predicts the next bit of code. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've just been getting used to these kinds of networks. They're called transformers. And I've oh, honestly hold been... Hold on. Mm-hmm. Are they in, <laughs> in, in disguise? No. Are no, they <laughs> more than meets the eye? I, I forgot to prepare myself for that joke. You know, I've read the term so many times now, the joke doesn't even happen anymore. But yeah, they're called transformers. See, ah. and, and that, folks, <laughs> is how you know I'm still listening. Thanks, James. You're the best. <laughs> uh, you've heard of Transformers. GPT-2. Yes. GPT-3. Dolly. Mm-hmm. Dolly's a Transformer. So they've kind of taken over in the machine learning world. And so I've had to learn them because I, I insist on knowing everything. <laughs> and so I, I've learned them. And uh, translation is actually, turns out, kind of easy for these networks. They've gotten really good at translation. With the caveat that you can give them tons and tons and tons of data. And tons, in this case, is more than the measly 20,000 documents, 10,000, whatever. I'm sorry, everyone. Documents that I could feed into my neural network. They want things like the entire internet in order to be <laughs> able to learn. So I was, I was a little nervous about that. Yeah, that seems, well, one as you've, you know, kind of talked out in this scenario, it's a relatively complicated, you know, beast that you're trying to tackle here. And there's many, you know, complications around with it. And just the amount of data that is out there is always complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I kind of lucked out and I don't want to say like, I'm telling this story as if I sat down to do this project. What really happened was this project's been going on in the back of my head for the last two years and as like a new piece i would find i could work on new parts of it so i'm condensing a very long time into a short story but what happened during that time was uh google released this neural network called t5 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 that's a good transformer name it's it was an interesting network because instead of having it just do one translation i'm going to translate from english into french it actually learned to translate between uh, the version I'm using, like something like 15 different languages. So it could do English to French, French to English, English to Russian, Russian to English, mm. Russian to French, blah, blah, oh, blah. Wow. Yeah. So it's really powerful. They packed all of that into one network. And what they found was giving it such a big problem actually made it learn better. So that's good. Uh, it learned like more general concepts of you know how the world works and that kind of stuff. Um, but more importantly, you could do what's called fine tuning, and that is introduce a new language to it 
and have it learn that language very quickly because it's already trained a lot on learning basic concepts in other languages. And it turns out languages share a lot of patterns with each other. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. Yeah. And you're right. Like that last thing that you said is that languages do share a lot of similarities between each other in general. It's something that, you know, if you travel a lot and you start to start to learn different languages, there's, there are some crossovers out there. All languages do the same thing. You convey concepts in the past, future, and present about objects that exist. That's it. <laughs> the yeah. vocabulary changes and the grammar changes. But, you know, there is an underlying basic communication that's happening. And these neural networks find some other, some kind of representation like that of it. So here I am. I'm all excited now. Okay, so I've got a database. I've got a neural network. I've got a neural network that says on the tin, it doesn't need a lot of data. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm going to hold it to it. <laughs> and uh, here, here, here I am. I, I know how to actually run these things. I've taken the time. I've installed the Pythons. I've gotten all the versions to work. I got CUDA, NVIDIA drivers to actually be stable. Except every time I reboot the computer, I have to install my NVIDIA drivers because Linux. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> So I got this network and I'm just like, you know what, James, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And I went crazy. Okay. I didn't, I didn't want it to just learn how to translate from Sumerian to English, which is what I should have done is what I should have focused on. <laughs> yes. That makes the most sense. Cause once you go into there, you can kind of go off from there to, into anything really. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, I decided to train it to go from Sumerian to English, French to Akkadian, Akkadian to German, German to Sumerian. So I picked these like five languages. What did I pick? Italian, Spanish, English, French, Sumerian, Akkadian. And I taught it to translate between all those different languages. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound like it would work? Well, you know, I'd assume that you're Frank Kruger. So it worked the very, very first time that you put just like, you know, four pieces of data into the pipes. You know, it kind of did. But I, I'm not going to take credit here. This this is Google. Like, okay, I want to give props, right? Okay, so Google trained this network. It's a big network. But more importantly, they did the research to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And then there's this other website called uh, Hugging Face, which does um, uh, hosting of all these networks. So you can find them and all that kind of stuff. So I did have a lot of uh, shoulders upon which to stand. But the only thing you want to see in a neural network when you start training it is for a line to go down, <laughs> it's for the loss to go down. And the line started to go down. And I was like, oh, my God, it's actually learning. I had no idea what it was learning, but it was learning something. Uh, the line continued to go down, and then the line flattened out after a few hours. And I was like, okay, it's, it's done learning. N now, here, here's the thing. That's just a line on the screen. I have no idea what it actually means. You, you got to throw some text at it. And so I just started asking it to translate some things. And James, would you believe it? The stupid thing actually was kind of working. Yeah, it was at least Akkadian to English. I could understand those. I had some examples and oh my God, it worked. And it was so, and by it works, do you mean that it, it was coherent or do you think that it was, what was the percentage of, you know, yeah, not accuracy, I don't want to use accuracy because, you know, you know, when you're learning, you're doing stuff. But what's the I'm Frank Krueger or, or someone comes along and they're reading that sentence that was transcribed. What are they going to think when they see it? 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so much to unpack here. So, of course, you nailed problem three, Mr. PM, coherency. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, okay. I, I got so much to say, but I'm going to do this part real quick and real fast, I promise. Cuneiform is written in lines left to right. Mm. The amount of information that you can fit on one line, because it's symbols, is bit less than what we fit on one line of text normally you know if you were right to write a letter out longhand or something like that or on a printed page something like that there's less information and unfortunately all these things are just transcribed line by line by line mm. and so there's a lot of uh uh disjoint coherency because a line lacks the context of the previous lines yeah. and i i couldn't give it um a merged well okay then I could, but I, I worked on that later. <laughs> um, so when I first did this training, it was doing a line by line. And so there was a lot of coherency lost because uh, those lines lacked um, the previous line, information from the previous line. And so it would do its best on this line by line behavior. But yeah, it's like, um, I don't speak Akkadian or Sumerian. I don't, I can't read cuneiform. So how in the world am I to uh, judge this thing? So step one, uh, I took every transcribed tablet in the database, 30,000 of these things, mm -hmm. and I ran it on every single one of them. It was cool. I've ne <laughs> the network was chugging away for a day in order wow. to translate these things. It learned in three hours and then took a day to translate the entire database. Wow. And that was kind of exciting. I thought and that this was cool. Is, and this is being done on your local just machine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so there are limits here. Um, so I am fortunate I have the RTX 3090. The big game in machine learning is actually memory, though. So this card has 24 gigabytes of memory. And that memory tells you um, how big of a neural network you can train. And roughly speaking, the bigger the network, the smarter it is. It's just kind of how it is, at least with these transformers. Got it. So uh, T5 comes in three sizes, small, base, and large. So I did, I did the first run on small. And small actually did a really good job. I was very proud of it. Uh, but I later moved on. I've, I've done several trainings since then because you're always trying to, you know, get those get those graphs to go lower. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I switched over to base, but I tried running large and my machine didn't have enough memory for it. I oh, still wow. think I can cheat a little. I can go for a, 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 a medium, you know, <laughs> something between base and large just to eke out a little more performance. But I, I can't really. Sorry. <laughs> Mine's running around now. I am benefiting <laughs> a lot from Google's pre-training. So mm -hmm. this network already knows how to translate between a lot of languages, and I'm I'm taking advantage of that. Yeah, that's really amazing that it's just out there. I mean, when you look at anything out there already, like all the you know the Dolly and the G GPT three, and like all these other things that you're sort of talking about, it's amazing the just things that are now available. When you if you were to think just five ten years ago, right? I remember I remember I remember going to a, I think it was an F sharp talk you gave about um Gantz or whatever was it Gantz or whatever and yeah you were you were you were like trying to what were you trying to do you're trying to like drive your car and then or map the world in real time or something it was something <laughs> you know Frank Kruger amazing but at the same time I I can guarantee like if you were trying to do that same thing now that was probably four years ago there's probably so much more available to you or one would hope is an assumption but available to you that, that you could take advantage of to 
be super productive or more productive right off the bat. So it's just kind of amazing when you're just like, oh, this is the thing. Like, for example, we were in a museum and I think I sent you a video that you would type in a word. This is like Dolly uh, kind of thing. I think it was before Dolly came out, though, uh, at least because this was this was like maybe six, seven months ago from I remember. And it's not a new concept, but the whole idea was it was type of phrase of your imagination, whatever you want. And you could say purple, purple mountains with monkeys flying through the air with a beautiful, (laughs) mystic, you know, full moon. And it would generate that image for you, paint you a, a picture. Right. And. My assumption is that the developers of that didn't necessarily like create the thing that was doing that. They they created the kiosk and the experience, and it was like the images were generated and like kind of spiraling around you in three hundred and sixty or whatever mm-hmm. in this sort of museum ex- exhibit. But if you were to try to have created that ten years ago, that would have been much of a challenge. Yeah, yeah, we we've learned so much. Like uh, keeping up with these things is a lot of work. Like every day there's like a hundred papers published on a hundred different <laughs> neural networks. So I, I like to find a couple that do roughly what I want and then kind of deep dive. Like we said in the beginning, I like to do projects. This is a big project of mine. And I that's where you get the real advantages is when you get used to them, you learn their quirks, you learn what they like, what they don't like, all that kind of stuff. So going back to how do I tell if it's any good, um, you do the uh, machine learning thing of you, you keep a, a holdout set. And you compare its translations to data it's never seen before, and you compare that. So I I always look at that to know whether it's learning or not. Um, But eventually it gets to a point where it's it's not learning anymore, and that's about as good as it gets. So what I did was I published a website of all the machine learning translations that it did. Uh, I sent you the link. You could take a look at it if you want. You can put it in the show notes. Um, It's... A little incomplete, everyone. It's a little ugly and all that. But for the 30,000 documents, it you can see the machine translation. And for the ones that do have a human translation, uh, James, if I may, uh, I could send you to the cylinder object type, the, mm, what do we want here? Early old Babylonian. You can see wow. <laughs> maybe uh, some examples of it. Actually, that wasn't even the one that I wanted, but whatever. For And I would put um, human translations right next to it. This is a fun little story. So back, back in, I don't know, a million years ago, <laughs> I think like 1920s or something like that, uh, people were curious if they had actually figured out the Sumerian, actually maybe in this case, Akkadian language. And... To do that, there was a little competition because nerds love competitions. (laughs) There was a newfound um, cylinder, but I think it was actually called a prismatic cylinder. Yeah. Um, And on it was a bunch of cuneiform. And it was sent around to, I think, like five specialists at the time. And those five specialists all did their best translation of it. And it wasn't a competition to see who was the better translator. What they wanted to know was, do these five specialists come up with roughly the same translation? Mm. So it's it's like a little self-check, you know? Like, they didn't know. 
the language. So how do you check? You check yeah. you check a bunch of other people. And actually, with the neural networks, you can do the same thing. They call it ensemble learning. You train five neural networks and then <laughs> take the votes between them. But anyway, so there's this classic um, thing that was done, this classic translation for it. And for fun, I keep that in my holdout set. And so what I have is the original cuneiform. I have three different specialist translations of it. And then I have my machine learning translation of it. That's not even true. I have four specialist translations. Of it. <laughs> and then I have my machine learning translation of it. And so me, myself and I, I can judge the machine learning translation with that much context because I can see where did the specialists disagree? And oh boy, do they, you know, yeah. uh, I was when when I was first training this thing, I was getting frustrated by some parts that would translate differently than these other people would translate it. I was constantly doing checks like that. And then when I put these three specialists all side by side by side, I realized, oh, geez, they 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 all get it wrong. <laughs> it's just hard, you yeah. know. It's just it's an old language. Concepts change, names change, all that kind of stuff. Um. But it's fun. It's it's really fun. It's 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 neat to see that the machine actually learns a pretty decent version of the languages, even with all those caveats in the beginning, even with my terrible ASCII conversion, even with the um, uh, what was that other terrible problem we had in the beginning with 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 the, the line breaks and all that stuff. It does a pretty mm. good job. That said, I constantly want to do improvements. So. I got um, the new data set that I want to integrate into it. I am, I put in a line breaking algorithm so that the text flows a little bit better so that the neural network has a better chance at understanding context and can create more fluent, uh, excuse me, fluent sentences and all that. But honestly, that's all just um, icing on the cake because I, I achieved what I wanted. I have 30,000 translations uh, that never existed online before, and they now exist online. And I, I've set my goals even higher. There's another roughly 30,000 that I can do, maybe even more than that. And this will be the first time they'll be published online. And it's all thanks to a little neural network. Wow, that's really cool. I'm reading through a lot of them, and and many of them there's words and it makes, you know, some logical sense there in general. And there are some, like you said, that have like the, some anonymous translations or some other things in there. I'm just like cooking through and it's, it's very, very fascinating to kind of go through and just see the, well, it's, it's actually the most fascinating part is seeing the, the Sumerian or the, the other, you know what I mean? Side by side and seeing them. It was pretty cool. I'm pretty impressed. I mean, there's, there's le- legitimately words and sentences that are almost like one-to-one from the ML translation into the, you know, official in quotes yeah. uh, here. Huh. Yeah. And I'm excited. And this is the very first, not, yeah. sorry, sorry. This is the first one that I got working correctly that I felt good enough to actually do a bunch of translations with. I've done a lot of improvements since then, uh, especially adding the other data sets. And so I'm really excited um, for kind of version two of this. And I kept delaying talking about this. I actually did this a few weeks ago. Um, I was really obsessed with it. <laughs> but, you know, the, the perfectionist in me was like, oh, but here are all these other improvements I want to make to it. And I said, oh, no, you know, I just want to talk to other people about this. And so I appreciate everyone listening to this crazy story because... 
it is crazy. It's 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 a little outside of mobile development, which we normally talk about. It's ML though, so everyone could see that coming. But uh, I think it's also like kind of one of those using computers for good things. Uh, the effort to put all the translations of all these tablets online is massive. And these are all academics and students, you know, they're all doing their best working with grant money. And I think it's really cool to apply machine learning, which really can be just a bubble word, uh, you know, a conference word to an actual real problem with real results and get some real stuff out of it. So I, I've, I, I love this project and I'm probably going to keep working on it for at least another year in my spare time just to improve it. It's super cool. My favorite part is that you actually, when you go through and you see the translations, you get to click on the link, which goes to that database and see the photo of the thing in real time, which is really cool. And this is all uh, a static website as well. I think you're, this is being hosted off of this hugging face thing, which I'm learning so many new things. Hugging face is like GitHub, but for AI, is that what I'm seeing basically? Yes. Uh, they're not hosting the website. So, um, hugging face is they're really cool but especially in the transformer world mm. it, it, it's it's where you want to go for all your translation kind of neural networks and that kind of stuff they do have a really cool thing where they do machine learning hosting you know everyone's kind of into this azure has it um, um, um what's that company that i buy all the stuff from amazon, has it. amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh they they have uh neural network hosting. But for the website, this is just that Cloudflare website that we spoke about a couple weeks ago. I, I might even pop this over to Azure. I'm trying to get an online translator. So if there's something in the database that hasn't been translated yet, an academic could come in here, type in some Acadian, and get back an actual translation into English of that. It might be helpful for students, too, that are learning these languages. Unfortunately, that parts not working (laughs) api stuff and all that uh it's so close it's so close to working it just doesn't want to i don't know it's a bad gateway i gotta figure it out it's hard but so what i do have is a giant static website of these thirty thousand documents i hope to expand it to like a hundred thousand documents and uh, I'm going to be pretty satisfied with myself. I think I will, I will be the largest cuneiform corpus on the internet, and I'll be pretty wow. proud of that. That's cool. That's awesome. I will put show note links in here of all the stuff that you uh, talked about, uh, specifically your website and some of the stuff that you had in here. So if you are interested in this stuff, you can dive in to the CDLI website and to Frank's website and... Yeah, take a look. I'm just like just exploring, to be honest with you. So I yeah. like the things that have images. That's fun. Yeah, I recommend going to categories, uh, genres. I recommend the um, avoid the administrative. That's mm-hmm. all receipts and such. You want to go for your literary, your prayers, your science stuff, uh, your letters. Things like that are really fun. Um it, it, it's it's so funny how much legalese they invented bureaucracy you can you can just see bureaucracy being invented when you do this <laughs> stuff but it's fun like i i got exactly what i want i can just browse around and learn about the past and i just got to make the website a little bit prettier and i'll be very happy <laughs> that's cool yeah that's the you know that's just fi- finishing touches but this is cool frank i I'm always amazed by you every single day of my life. Wow. 
this 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 is me just uh, not wanting to l- actually learn the language. I'd rather teach a computer the language than to learn it myself. <laughs> so cool. Well, go check out all this cool stuff that Frank is up to. I'm blown away. I'm just sitting here clicking on links and looking at stuff. So um, this is cool. I am mesmerized. By uh, it I all. do. I do hope to have a blog post about it. Um, I, I think it's worth writing down, not to just have it on the podcast here. But thanks, James, for letting me uh, uh, explain it here. I think Anytime. I did okay. Did I make it interesting? You, you, you were bored in the beginning. Are you okay I, now? Well, because here's what happened: is you went from uh, there was a, there was that there was that law in the middle, but then you're like, but then I made a website, and, I, and then I purged. Like, oh, what did what happened now? Um, I think that's <laughs> you know when it got real real to me. So this is cool. I like it. I will I'll put a link not only to the main one, but to the one that you linked to me as well with the side by side in there as well. That's so cool. Uh, I think this is neat. This is, you know, like like we said earlier, the thing that I think is really nice about machine learning and seeing what you're doing is the possibilities that are out there and also learning about all the really cool technology that's out there today, to be honest with you. It's just it's mind boggling. So it's just neat. <laughs> yep. And it's good to get it off my computer. Too many of these projects just sit on my computer. So it's good to actually get it up onto a website. Exactly. I'm going to need a lot of static websites. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, you know, they're free. So go get them. Cool. All right. Well, everyone go check this out. And uh, we're coming up on episode 320, which is going to be pretty awesome. So if you have any comments, uh, what you might want to hear for our lightning topics, go over to mergeconflict.fm. There's a little contact button, or just hit us up on Twitter at mergeconflict.fm, at Proclarum, and at James Montemagno. Those links are in the show notes. I think that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. Is that okay, Frank, or if we end the podcast here? Ooh, this is a perfect place to end the podcast. Amazing. Well, that's going to do it. So until next week, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.